saints above he brought me out of the mighty clay he set my feet on the rock to stay he puts a song in my soul today a song of praise hallelujah he brought me out of the mighty You set our feet upon the rock. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to your name. What a mighty God we serve. How good he is to us, his children tonight. We sure love the Lord tonight. Love his people. It's good to be back in Edmonton again and have this privilege of being with you again for one of these these meetings here in your summer, we've enjoyed um, this spring weather that you have here. It's really, really nice. Amen. But it's so, it's uh, good to be in the house of the Lord tonight and just to be able to share the good things of God and be with God's wonderful people. Amen. To see each one of you again after, you know, we um, were just here back in May and with um, the memorial service for our brother Harold and and this is really a special moment for me um, because um, back in April, near Brother Harold's birthday, or perhaps it was on his birthday, I texted him and wished him a happy birthday. And, and it was there he asked me to come to be in this meeting and to minister. He had been working in conjunction with Brother Hammermeister for me to come and to accompany Brother, um, Brother Ron Spencer. And, and uh, to be with you in these special meetings that he has ministered here now for a number of years. And um, so, you know, to, to get to come and to be is here together with him is really special. And, amen. It's a, it's a dream. It's a, it's, a, it's a joy to be together with you, Brother Ron. And the, these two men are my heroes. <laughs> I tell you what, um, it's a privilege to work together with my son. I, told Brother Hammermeister when he 
when he asked me to come and confirmed the, the, um, uh, the request to come that Brother Harold had given, I said, well, I, I guess you know you get two with, in, in the package because I don't, I don't come without my son. And uh, I used to, of course, travel with my wife. She's been going on to the Lord, be with the Lord now nearly a year ago. But uh, my son's been traveling with me when I go. But um, we're, we're here to serve the great King of glory and worship the Lord together with you. Amen. So it's good to be here with you. I think about it. My first time to speak in Edmonton, I was only 34 at the, at the 1988 um, a convention that you hosted and put on. This church has always been a missionary-minded church and had invited ministry from around the world. And I was privileged to be able to speak in that convention. And, and uh, now here we are uh, 34 years later, and we're still pressing on. Amen. Amen. And we're here in this meeting tonight, I believe, because it, God has ordained this moment. So we're stepping right into the vision of God's uh, ordained plan for us right here at this hour. And so as we do it, I just want you to turn your attention to the Lord and let him speak to you. Let him reveal himself to you in a very special way. Because God is real and he wants to make himself real to you. Amen. So I trust that he will do that tonight. I, I know he will. Because I'm, I'm standing here before a portion of the bride of Christ. And I think of where Paul admonished us by the Holy Spirit, you know, for our wives to, for the husbands to show their wife a due benevolence and to minister to their needs and to see to their desires in their heart. Now, God couldn't tell us men to do that. And then him be a husband and not keep his own word. So therefore, if you've got a need here tonight, he's husband enough to come by your way to minister to your need. He's a personal God and he wants to minister personally to you tonight. You've got a need in your heart and life. Let's just take it to him right now as we pray. You just hold it before the Lord Jesus. I'm so needy of you. The song says, I can't find the way alone. Lord, we can't do anything without you. For without you, we are nothing. Lord, I stand here as a mere mortal. And I know it takes your anointing. I know it takes the power of the Holy Spirit to get into the Word and make it live. Lord, before me are fragments of thoughts that I have penned and scriptures and quotations that I have collected and put together in what we call a sermon. But Lord, a sermon must be God-breathed. It must be anointed. And these fragments of paper or thoughts that we have penned, they're just, they're just scattered like on a sea of can be blown around by the wind or this or that or man's ideas but Lord if you'll come if you'll come and you'll just gather all of these thoughts and direct them to the target and minister may it be here tonight that you minister to your bride 
the elect lady. That you whisper love secrets to her. That you let her know she's not forgotten. That you are here in her midst to bring healing and deliverance and salvation and ever need supply. Lord, I want to thank you, oh God, for the many years that this work has went on and how we've admired and appreciated the ministry here. Now, our brother Ed Hammermeister is, is doing his best to step forward to carry it on. And Lord, I pray now, Father, that you will continue to work in this community. Even as your prophet would come and minister here in this city and its neighboring towns and, and the neighboring provinces, Lord, you, you cared for the Canadian people. And they were there represented in the vision of the bride. Oh God, a people that would be in step with the word. A people who would march and tune with onward Christian soldiers. And I pray tonight that there will be another step onward. Lord, that we'll advance toward eternity. Knowing, Lord, that we're called and we're ordained in this hour. And for this reason, we are called. And I ask now, Lord, that you'll pour out your spirit upon us. May it be that there's men and women tonight that have emptied of themselves and made room for the Holy Spirit to come into their lives. Minister them in a special way, Lord. And the rest of the meeting, when our brother Ron speaks, Lord, we want to thank you for the miracle in his life and the encouragement that we have taken from his courage. And I pray, Lord, that as he steps forward, that you would use him in a great way. Use us all again for your, your glory and the services to come. We give ourselves to you and dedicate ourselves to you for that purpose in Jesus name amen amen God bless you if you'll turn with me to Joel chapter 2 we'll read from verse 25 and we trust the Lord will help us to bring a little thought here tonight and um, you know we're already 835 now into um, into the service and and um, you know we we know there's no work day tomorrow, and uh, we know we're in a convention and service is here, amen. We just, um, you know, someone said, uh, well, Brother Tim, you got enough battery here to last four hours. I said, <laughs> I said, we don't have pews that would last four hours. <laughs> so I pray that God will just help us here tonight, amen, and speak to us. In a real and living way. Joel chapter 2 verse 25. And I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that had dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. And you shall know that I'm in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and, and none else and my people shall never be ashamed. You'll never be left holding the bag or, you know, go away empty. 
my people will never be ashamed. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants, upon the handmaids, in those days will I pour out my spirit. You notice it's not limited just to men, but it's to, it speaks of sons and daughters. It speaks of servants and handmaids. Amen. I, I'm, I'm glad this gospel encompasses all and it's a pouring out on all flesh. It's wonderful that we can enter into the Spirit and, and even sisters can rejoice in God and say amen and hallelujah and thank you, Jesus, and worship God. And, and brothers can, can respond to the great things that God is doing. Amen. Amen. Before you're seated, let's just read this from the message expectation. Now, you're going to be expecting a great healing service tomorrow night. Going to be expecting the Lord to pour out his blessings tomorrow night. Sure, let's be expecting it. Be under expectation. Oh, I expect the church to be on fire. Amen. The glory of the Lord falling everywhere. And sinners around the altar and people getting saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Just a great thing. And my anticipations and expectations is built up way up high. And I felt led to come out to California. And I want to say we felt, felt led to come here to be a part of this meeting. And he's going to do something for somebody. Amen. That's one thing, sure, I'm expecting it to happen because I feel led to do it. I feel led to say what I say. I feel led to do the things I am doing or I wouldn't do it. I want to be led of it, and then I'm expecting something to happen. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. He had a prayer for his people that I want to read as he prayed over a congregation in Chicago, and he said, Father God, I can hear the scream of the Lamb of Calvary, and it makes me seek and hunger and thirst, and I see his little children dying. Satan's got them all bound up. Some of them are sick and afflicted. Oh, God, that cry, that cry of a sinful world, that cry of a people that's been caught up by the devil who wants to be liberated. They're screaming for mercy. Oh, God, send preachers from this meeting. Send missionaries from here. Send them from this convention, Lord, to go out with a new vision into the fields to win souls. May they go out with such a gallant heroism and the high blood of Christ beating through their veins as it was that has been changed by the great miracle of the new birth and send them as real heroes of the cross. May they preach like never before. May mothers be real mothers, God. May they dismiss that babysitter and keep away from the bar room and throw down those cigarettes and dress like a mother ought to and be a real mother. Grant it, Lord, when they hear the cry of juvenile delinquency everywhere and all this great distress, may dads be real dads, Lord. Oh, God, let them from, keep them from the bar room and the pool hall and let them lay down the old weapons of carnal things and step out with the weapons of the Holy Ghost tonight and fight as never before. 
Bless everyone who raised their hand. Bless those that had convictions that didn't raise their hand. And all together, Lord, give us of thy blessings and make this the greatest convention that's been here yet because we ask it in Christ's name. I think that prayer is good here for tonight. Let it be the greatest convention that there's been yet. Tonight, I want to speak on a subject of is there hope for revival? You know, today it's somewhat questionable in the mind of many as to whether we can even have a revival. Uh, you know, revival's over, Brother Tim, and there's just no hope for revival. After the Word's been revealed, and we're just to settle down in our churches and Instead of, instead of being under a Baptist or Methodist or Pentecostal label, we just take on a new label of being under a message banner. But I want to say we have not come to this land of the open book, to the restored word just to settle down and to have churches under a new name with new doctrines. But we have returned to the land of the Bible to welcome back the Messiah Amen. And we cannot do that encumbered with the spirit of Laodicea and without the spirit of revival. And uh, this is a rapture age, and the very word rapture means intense pleasure or enthusiasm. And I tell you, if we are people of the rapture, we should be a people who take great pleasure in serving God with a great enthusiasm for the truth that we have received. Now, we know this is a Laodicean age, and, and we've already had in this age great stirrings of the Holy Spirit. Why, the age would begin with the Azusa Street Revival in 1906. And then in 1946, the angel of God came to Brother Branham, who was instructed to take a message of divine healing uh, to the world. And then this sparked the great divine healing revivals of the 40s and the 50s. And, and you sometimes wonder, what was that revival like? And the message influenced Brother Branham lets us know. He said, I, as he was in Beaumont, Texas, speaking, I said, I was here with my old friend, Brother Bosworth and Raymond Ritchie and many of the brethren. I still believe the same gospel. Hadn't changed a bit, just the same. But you see, the revival was going on then. And where there's no revival, you just can't get things done. The ministry is far more advanced. It was only telling you then that this would come. And how many remembers that? Sure you do. And it, and it come just exactly like it said it would. I, and then I'd take my hand, the people, and lay my hands upon them. I told them, told you what he told me. And that's just the way it happened. It's just exactly. It never failed to be the truth each and every time. So it has to come from God. No one could doubt it. But you see, the revival is not on. You just, your presence, just your presence to walk in the inn with the people while the people would get up off of their cots and stretchers and walk around. You just lay hands on them and my, that just sent them a whirling. And I've seen lines where it'd be three or four or five hundred people come through the lines, deaf, dumb, blind, cross-eyed. Not one of them would fail but would be healed, every one of them. But try it today, there's no fire. In Rome, when the fires went out in the temple at Vista, the people went home. You see, there's, now there's no revival fire to back it up. 
See, they, it's just it. And, and after a while, if the world stands, they'll start living in the glare again. And that's the way it's always been passed over and missed them and that generations be judged for what passed over them and they failed to see it. But Jesus Christ is alive this afternoon. He's walking around with us now. He's ever present. Where two or more are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst. Believe that, won't you? Now, you know, and I wonder today sometimes how much many are living in the glare again of a past move of God and yet have no revival fire today, missing something that is very necessary. He says, he speaks again in Denham Springs, Louisiana, and this is again a 1964 quotation. He said, we just witnessed one of the greatest revivals I believe that the world has ever seen. This last 10, 15 years, been revival, not like the days of Billy Sunday or the days of Welsh revival or days of the Western revival and Moody revival, Billy Sunday revival. It's been a worldwide sweeping affair around the world. Great healing services, great revival fires have burnt practically on every hill in the world. Right tonight, way over in the lands of Africa, China, Japan, this gospel being preached and people are being healed right this very minute around the, and around the world. has been one of the greatest revivals because I believe it's, it's one of the last revivals this world will see, a world-sweeping revival. But now in the last few years, it's quietened down. And you don't notice the enthusiasm in the people that used to be. I remember having the privilege by the Holy Spirit to spearhead that revival that started um, there with the angel of the Lord appeared on the river and said that many years ago and see it happen and see ministers' hearts of fire everywhere and revivals broke out. Why? You could just walk into the building and people would get up out of their carts, cots and stretchers and walk away healed. You didn't have to say a word. Just being there was all it took. And I remember one night in Vandalia, Illinois, I walked in the meeting, had no more been in the meeting around five minutes, over five minutes, and there wasn't a feeble person around that place anywhere. Wheelchairs pulled, pushed out and piled up. Blind was seeing, deaf and dumb speaking. Just simply the Holy Spirit of the Lord was present, and he just healed the whole group of them. Now, that's when you can do something, when revival is going on. But let the revival fire die down. Then you can hardly, now watch this. The people are still Christians, but they're not revived into that spirit. That great atmosphere that does something. It's just like in a forge in a blacksmith shop. You've done, got to get it, the iron hot before you go to pounding on it in the anvil. If you don't, you'll never straighten it out. And that's what it takes to have a revival is everyone under the heat of the Holy Spirit that's brought down the powers of God and a revival movement. Then there's prayer meetings going on day and night and every minute everywhere while the people wouldn't even leave the grounds. And, of course, we know that was the divine healing um, revival. And, and, and Brother Brandon would announce to us, it is over. It is finished. And it, and it did come to an end. And there was things that caused the ending of that revival. And we want to talk about how that, you know, some killers of revival. And what it takes there to have revival again. <laughs> 
Now, and is there even a revival left that is promised for us in this last day? Or have we seen our last revival? And, and then we look at the divine healing revival and, 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 and ask the question, did it even bring the promised rapture that was desired? And, or did it just make bigger denominations and, and add more members? As Brother Branham said, I, I sent three-quarters of a million of my children to the assembly of God, and others went to the oneness and full gospel. And Brother Branham talks about this in the message, Paul a prisoner, and he talks about how that Moses, you know, he, he took him out in the desert, and he kept him out there for 40 years. And there God stripped him of all his theology and his ambition, where he could look back and he could see his failure. And how tonight we ought to do the same thing when we see our ambition. Look at the divine healing campaign and see if the Lord didn't do something a few years ago to start healing, restore, restoring healing to the sick and so forth. Everybody, every organization is because it didn't come to their organization. They had to get them a healer. You see, see again in that revival, a revival killer began when men began to rise up who were only really truly interested in kingdom building. Now, and what have we done, he said? We've done the same thing that Moses did. We went out and tried so hard to manufacture a miracle. I smelt a disease. I got blood in my hand. Manufacture a miracle. And what have we got? Some men went into hard strains and broke up, become regular drunkards and neurotics and got their minds switched all the way back the order from the Pentecostal objective back to making organizations again and things. You see, you see, they, they took that moment of revival and built their kingdom bigger. You had men that would get in the ministry and they had to have their, their gift. It would be their ministry and they're going to be the man of the hour. You have A.A. Allen who died a drunk and O.L. Jaggers who tried every gimmick to keep in the limelight and O.L. Roberts who prophesied of a 900-foot-tall Jesus who told him, uh, you know, to raise millions of dollars or God would kill him. And he, he died in a, in a condition of, of, of you know, in, in shame that he brought to the whole movement of the divine healing movement there. And, and so Brother Brandon said, what have we done? In other words, what has it accomplished? We slew about one Egyptian. You see, that's what we tried. We strained, we paid, we've labored. We go all night in prayer meetings and we, till we had no voice. We tried to manufacture something and soup up something and all these types of things and find it to be a total failure. He said, we need to go have a going back to the desert. Oh, yes, he said, camp meetings and struggles, why not just give up? That's what you ought to do, just go back and give up. Well, we have done the same thing that Moses did. It doesn't do any good. After 40 years, he found himself a prisoner to the Word of God. What do we try to do? He said, when that great blessing came out and the manifestation of the great things that God had told us about, how we must be born again, how we must receive the Holy Ghost, the baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, all of these things. Instead of people staying to that word and harness to it, 
what did they do? They started their own denominational theory, which had already failed and tried to manufacture something that looked like the truth. And he said, what have we got tonight? A nation full of organized people who de deny the scriptures of God, who would call the life of the Holy Spirit is a mental telepathy, who would refuse it to come in their church. And they wouldn't permit you to mention one word of serpent seed or, or eternal security on the things that the Holy Spirit has revealed and proved to be the word. I've made challenge after challenge to come and prove it to me wrong. And what have they done? The same that Luther had. The rest of them slew an Egyptian. What was it? Maybe made some man stop stealing. Or maybe live true to his wife. But then what do you make out of him? A church member. Come and join our group. And that stinking dead man was the only thing he could point his finger to. Of his success of 40 years of training, a stinking Egyptian laying there rotten and dead. And he said, that's the way it is tonight. The only thing we can point to in this revival that's crossed over, so-called, is a stinking bunch of church members that know no, no more about God than a Hottentot but know about an Egyptian night. Right? Telling them about the Word of God. I say, I don't believe that. And say, I don't care what they say, I don't believe it. That's an awful thing to have to be a point back to for all the strains and the struggles and everything we got. Maybe we could point to a big school, but it's dead. We could point to an organization, but it's dead. It is stinking. It's just like the first thing we pulled out of, like a hog going to swallow or dog to his vomit when we return back. One dead Egyptian. And I just want to say, that's not what the message was sent to produce. It was sent to produce a rapture. And a people with faith for a rapture. A people of the promise. A people who know their God, who do this exploits. A people who has a life, a drive, a passion, a burden. Something down on the inside. Not, a, not just a bunch of stinking dead church members. Men and women, you know, that uh, maybe they live true to their husband or maybe they pay tithes to the church or maybe they quit stealing and we made a good uh, citizen for Canada out of them. That's not what the message was to produce. It's not just to produce another bunch of denominational chickens. Amen. It's to produce eagles who soar in the heavens where all things are possible to them that believe. Now, out of that movement that began with the, the revival at Azusa Street and the divine healing revival, you know, there are now 644 million Pentecostals and Charismatics worldwide. Including all the members of Pentecostalism, there are 19,300 denominations and fellowships. So that's what it all created. Amen. It's, uh, 0.6 billion. Over half a billion people who claim Azusa Street as their roots. And think about it again, you know, 19,300 denominations and fellowships. For God's sake, how in the world did they get so divided they could make 19,300 of them? 
So, you know, and, and so we, we ask the question, what would even another divine healing movement produce? What about America? Would she ever have another revival? You know, we had men raised up among the evangelicals and, you know, um, uh, with Jerry Falwell, his moral majority, there ain't no moral majority. I don't know what you got in Canada and all about your politics, but there is not a moral majority in America. There's an immoral majority. I'll tell you today, you are an endangered species. Amen. You are in a minority. And even, 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 even today, the conservatives are yesterday's liberals. There's no such thing as a true conservative except the bride of Jesus Christ. And America has become a godless nation who has now turned from lamb with freedom of religion to a dragon, a beast that devours. Amen. It's the spirit of lawlessness that has taken over our country. Defund the police. Have you ever heard of such a thing in your life? You know, rioting in the street with sodomites screaming for the rights to kill their children. Can you imagine that? But it's not just America. It's the insanity is going on around the world. Sodom is no longer a city. Sodom is not just one country. Son of Sodom is a world. We are living in a Sodom world. Brother Branham talks about this and is your life worthy of the gospel? He said they were invited to a feast. And he said America there had been invited to a feast. He said England had a chance at revival. And he said, and then he, he talked about how that they had been weakened to the sex of women until spies would come in using, using that. And their sin of scandals as, of the government has so disgraced their disgraceful name across the world. Now, this is 1963. It sounds like I'm reading from prophecy that are things he's saying right now. Amen. She's rejected the truth. She had her, she had her excuses. She made excuses. Why not to come to the feast? And she's finished. She's washed up. America, 15 years ago, when the great divine healing revival continued on from Pentecost, broke out in the nations, and there was a revivals on the Capitol, Washington, D.C., the presidents, vice presidents, great people, governors, great things taking place. And, and men healed like cover, Congressman Upshaw had been a cripple for 66 years and they could not turn their face and say it wasn't so. It was right before them. And tonight, that's the reason this nation stays. She's doomed. There is no hope for it. She has crossed the line between judgment and mercy. She's elected what she has in here to control the nation. And now, since 63, we've done the same thing. We've got another Catholic president. Amen. Just the Pope just happened to come to apologize to the First Nation people for, for slavery and, and for abusing and murdering and, and raping and, and, and mistreating. People have to apologize. I'll tell you what, friends, we have no such apologies to make. The gospel we have preached have delivered men and women from slavery, from sin, from unbelief, from darkness. Hallelujah. 
Amen. We need not make an apology for the blood of Jesus Christ, for the power of God under salvation. Amen. We need not make a, a, an excuse or apology to see young men and young women get filled with the Holy Ghost and become real daddies and real mamas. But you see, America, she's elected what she has in. Men, men of corrupt minds. Here we, we saw Brother Branham could, could never make it out exactly right. He said it could be in the Catholic Church. It could be some woman as president or vice president. It was both of them. We elected a Catholic president at the same time a woman. We're right here in the fulfillment of prophecy who is pushing down upon the world a liberal world order of sodomy, of sin, of evil, of a dragon rising up with the spirit and the nature of the devil. Demon-possessed men and women who are under a spirit of insanity. And America can never have a revival. And the world will never have a revival. Amen. The, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon Russia there even, and they were called to the Feast of, of Pentecost. You can read this in their, in their very history in the, in the days before Azusa. The Holy Spirit fell upon them and, and then Ukraine, and, and those people there moved out into the states and were part of the Azusa movement and whatever, but she was offered and called the, to the Feast of Pentecost, a spiritual feast, and they turned it down. England was given their chance. America has been given their chance. Amen. And, but he said, I believe maybe within the next, he said, the, the table is ready. There is still room. The table's got to be set. Go and compel those people to come in. And I believe maybe within the next or month or something, a year or whatever it is, God is going to send another shaking across the country for there's somebody out there still somewhere that's a predestinated seed that that light has to fall on somewhere, somewhere in the world. The nation is gone. But God is still calling seed. Hallelujah, and I believe there's seed in this meeting. Hallelujah. I believe there are those that have been wayward and away from God that God is calling back home. I believe there's a bride that has received the call, come back to the land, come back to the promise of the Lord, get back in step. Amen. You can give me just a little more sound up here. Now, we know of a certain that we cannot reproduce the Azusa revival, and neither should we try. And neither should we try to reproduce another divine healing revival or any other worldwide sweeping revival that accomplished, you know, the great feat of adding billions of people to come to the cause. For the past hundred years, the charismatics, the Pentecostals, have tried to breathe new revival, breathe life into, and new revival fires into that movement, and they've blown and blown and blown upon the ashes of that revival. 
with the only results being the soot of the past fires blackening their face. And we know, you know, even, even the, there are many there that are trying to do God a service without his will and pray now and call on God and surely America come back. She won't. Her revival is pastor. And there are those who say like they did to Brother Branham in that day, well, we can only have revival if we take the word or word by word, page by page, letter by pa- letter, and, and, and we got to find the right in Greek interpretation. And, and, and Brother Branham said himself, I hadn't read too much but reading the history of the church and the Nicene Council and the pre-Nicene Council, Nicene Fathers, they were arguing all back there about the Greek. And that's been 2,000 years ago and it means this. And others said it means that. And this Greek word says it means that. What it is, what, what happened? We have built over 40,000 denominations off of one Bible. There's over 40,000 denomination, Christian denominations in the world today. Each one saying they are the way of the one Bible. I wonder how many denominations we can build off of 1,100 tapes. You see, uh, again, you know, we, we, got to, we got to look back and see what God has promised. As he said, a revival will never come until God, the sovereign God, sends it. And he might take a little nitwit that can't sign his name. Amen. Amen, because God is not known by how well he speaks the English or how well he knows the Greek or how he got this interpretation right. He's, he's known by the Spirit of God, the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen, men like Peter who couldn't sign their own name They were ignorant and unlearned, but you knew this one thing about it. They had been with Jesus. Amen. And he says, now if there's anybody got mechanics for revival, it's our noble brother, Billy Graham. The mechanics is all right, but the mechanics won't move it. It takes the dynamics to move it. You can build an automobile and you can put fine seats in it. You can make fine pistons and you can prove by science what it can do. But unless the dynamics is there, she's just a dead piece of goods. So in the Welsh revival, he said, he spoke, he said, no one knew what started that revival. It was a sovereign move. And then he said, our, our friend Billy Graham and them, they, they'll go and they'll, they'll have a meeting and thousands have come to the altar. And he said, you know, and one year later, you can't even find one. You see, because it does never inoculate them from sin. Amen. But let God in his sovereign grace speak to some little nitwit. Else to say a little nobody and let his spirit fall into a city and a man can go, can't go to work, a woman can't wash the dishes, a maid can't make the bed, a screaming and crying with her hands up in the air. That's revival in the will of God. Amen. And he said, that's sovereign. That's what God does. He alone has a right to send revival. Not just get the mechanics together, is pray for God to send the dynamics. But you know, so many of the message community are void of the dynamics. All they have is a Billy Graham type of mechanics. Even the conversion that is offered 
is a Billy Graham type conversion of easy believism. Billy Graham would have thousands who would respond to the pleas, come up and receive Christ as your Lord of your life and confess, I'm a sinner and I accept Christ as my Savior. And he found that most of them didn't stick. And he could come back after 30,000 had pledged to receive Christ, come back a year later, couldn't find 10 who had stayed true. And he blamed it on lazy preachers. But Brother Brandon said that that wasn't the problem. The problem wasn't lazy preachers. The problem was he didn't take them far enough. And today, it's not come up and accept Jesus since even altar calls are now frowned upon. So just sit tight in your seat and accept the message and believe Brother Branham is your prophet. And, and if you believe that, you got the Holy Ghost. Now to call that the new birth is blasphemy. Amen. No wonder we got a bunch of, a bunch of rotten eggs in the nest. We've got men and women who have never been with the mate, Jesus Christ. You say, Brother Jim, I'm a predestinated seed, but that seed has to be germinated by the Holy Ghost. And that takes an experience of something that will light the fire down on the inside. Amen. Brother Harold always had this statement that he always would say, he said, this message cannot be passed on intellectually. And this is why there are so many seeds today that have fallen along the wayside and among thorns. Those seeds were sown among thorns or long path. They never reach fruition. They perish. They never produce the, the promised harvest. And Brother Branham said that's the way many people does about coming to Christ. They laid the foundation of believing on the Lord Jesus and accepting him as personal Savior and maybe going on to a Christian baptism. But when it comes to the following on through to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, somebody explains it away for them. And that's the reason that seed fell by the wayside or fell on stony grounds. Mm -hmm. So this brings us to the cycle of revival and death. And you see, this is where he would say to the first age, I've got something what against you because you left your first love. And so you got to understand he was not just speaking to the Ephesus church, but this message that he was speaking, he was, it would speak to the entire age. And, and, he, and he goes on, he talks about the revival that was with, in the generations of Israel. You see revival in one generation. And then only see the fires fading in the next. In the third generation, embers may be glowing ever so slightly. In the fourth generation, there's no vestige whatsoever of the original flame. You know what that tells us? God has no grandchildren. He only has sons and daughters of God. Amen. Every generation must have their chance at their revival. Then God will light the fire again, and the same process is repeated. It's simply the manifestation of the truth. God has no grandchildren. Salvation is not passed on by natural birth. 
You see, it isn't in the Word. You start out truly being with born-again Christians or believers in the next generation. They're no longer just plain Christians, but they take a denominational name, a Baptist or Methodist or Perusia or Two Lord or Seven Thunders or Return Ministry or Middle of the Road or whatever you want to brand yourself. Labels. Us for and no more. You see, and it gets to a point they take on a denominational name. That fervent desire to please God, the passion to know his word, the cry for reaching out in the spirit, it begins to fade. Instead of that church being on fire with the fire of God, it's cooled off and become a bit formal. This was happening to the Ephesians. They were, uh, they were getting a bit formal. The abandonment to God was dying out, and the people weren't too careful about what God thought of them. It's what they began to get careful about what the world thought of them. The second generation was coming up just like Israel. They demanded a king to be like the other nations. We, we got we to gotta have our own personality cult leader. You see, you see a king like the other nations, but when they did that, they rejected God. Amen. But they did it anyway, and that's the history of the church. When it thinks more conforming, conforming to the world instead of conforming to God, it isn't long do you see them stop doing the things they used to do and start doing things they wouldn't do initially. They change their manner of dress, their attitudes, and their behavior. They get lax. And that's what Ephesus means is relaxed and drifting. That cycle of revival and death has never failed. He said, all you have to do is recall this last move of God in the spirit when men and women dressed like Christians, went to church, prayed all night, took to the street corners, and weren't ashamed of the manifestations of the spirit. They left their old dead churches, and they worshiped in homes, or old store buildings. They had reality. But it wasn't too long they got enough money to build fine new churches. They put in a choir instead of singing to God for themselves. They put gowns in the choir. They organized a movement, ran it by man. It wasn't soon they were, they were reading books that wasn't fit to read. And they let down the bars and the goats came in and took over. And the cry of joy was gone. The freedom of the spirit was gone. Oh, they kept on with the form, but the fire had died down. And the blackness of ashes is all about that is left. Cycle of revival and death. Don't you realize even this movement will go down into death? It has never failed. And we see it dying. Amen. Spiritually dying. We may have bigger buildings. We may have, you know, better dress. We may, we may be more affluent. But where's the Holy Ghost? By and large, the church is missing something. Amen. The, the revival has died down. And people have let the revival die down in their own lives. Are you with me? Amen. And, and many have never been touched by the fire of God themselves. All they've been shown is a picture of it. And you just can't get warm by a painted fire. 
may look pretty, it may look real, it may, it may look amazing, the artist might have done a great work, but friends, it's fake. The only way that you can get warm is have that original fire. And every individual must receive that fire. But I will tell you that I believe that in this age that there is a group of cycle breakers. Amen. I read in the Bible that he said, I will have a church and she will be without spot or without a wrinkle or without a blemish. Hallelujah. Somebody's going to break the cycle of revival and death. Are you with me now? I read in the church, in the Bible, where it said there will be a church. Those that are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord, that will not hinder those that are asleep. I hear, I read in the Bible, there's going to be some cycle breakers. A people that's not going to leave out of here defeated. A people that will be overcomers, victorious. A people who know their God and who does exploits. So it's not all bad news. Some will go down into death. But there's somebody going into life. There's a rapture promise. While the world is falling, come on, going down into the pits, there's a bride ascending. She's not getting weaker. She's going to be stronger. Brother Brandon preaches a sermon called, How Can I Overcome? And this is 1963 after the seals has been opened. The land is open to us. How can I overcome? He said, I got this thought because I was crossing an old creek or, or a hollow. And there was an old beech log that was laying there. And he said, there, this old, this old log, I stepped on it and, and tried to walk across it to cross this hollow. And he said, when I did, a big old chunk fell off. And I looked at it. And he said, here, to think of it, it's laying here right in the source of life, the stream of water. But without life in it, it rottens twice as quick. Think about that. You can rotten twice as quick. Just sitting right there with a stream of water is flowing. Because there's no life in you. And he said, I chose this subject of how can I overcome because I think it's a time that we should never let the spirit of revival die. Now we went to America not being able to have revival and the divine healing movement being over and these revivals cease to a prophet telling you, I chose this, how can I overcome Somebody's going to overcome. Stop and think about it. Amen. He could not say to him that overcometh unless somebody's going to overcome. The word is already spoke. 
that there's going to be overcomers in this age who will overcome the Laodicean spirit. Amen. And he said, I chose this. I think it's time we should never let the spirit of revival die. We've got to keep in revival constantly. Revived every day. Paul said, died daily so Christ could live. Oh, he said, these Christians are becoming so soft and doty, dead in sins and trespasses so long, they can't hold no weight at all. They don't know what overcoming means. I begin to think of that, this text, overcome, keep life in you. Amen. When life went out, that's what brought this log to that condition. Made it worse than what it had ever been when it laid in the branch where the water was. You take a Christian that's supposed to be a Christian and let the life of God go from him and the experience and the joy of serving Christ and the living in a church where such is going on, he rottens twice as quick. Living right under and if we're trying to follow the message of the hour, we should live constantly in the life of Christ. Because if you don't, you lay around. You know that, that these things that you're supposed to do and don't do it. The Bible said, he that knoweth to do good, don't do it. Do it that not to him is sinned. And you're dirty, you're rotten, and you're separated from the life of God. Strive with all that is in you to stay in the life of Christ. And you be fruit bearing. Are you with me now? So we see now how this Laodicean age, it, it, see how it closes out and see the church failing to overcome, becoming lukewarm and powerless. And Jesus refused entrance into his own church. And I'll tell you, there's too many places that the Spirit is not welcome and is not wanted Amen. Listen, Brother Branham said of the bride, she will not be Laodiceus by no means a lukewarm. She'll be on fire for God. She'll be moving in the spirit of God. He speaks of this in Revelation 3 to the Laodiceans. And he said how God describes this last age. And he says, you know, that certainly fits the situation of the day of the modern church. Today, a lukewarm condition, neither cold nor hot, it would be better if we would be back in our old denominational state or status or either be up in the realms of the blessing of God than to sit in a lukewarm condition as we are now. God would appreciate us much more if we would do that. So you see, you see, when, when we allow the fire to get down in our own lives, when we're not constantly pouring on the wood of the word, if we're not building it up in prayer and, and relationship with God. Now, then you see, that's a revival killer. Now, here's another revival killer. You know, a revival killer, another reason for no revivals. Well, we, we are preached, and it's so true. We are predestinated, and we are secure. But if we're not careful, we take an attitude, the rest of them can go to hell. If, that we get unconcerned about the lost. You know, it all becomes about us four and no more. And we close our hearts and our doors to everybody else. 
In the fifth seal, Brother Branham said, John Wesley come along after Zingley had come in and there was Calvin and he got, Calvin got to church to a place of security. They didn't want more revivals. Whatever is going to be is going to be. That's all. They just lived any kind of lives. And there, this can be. We get, we get to where we don't want revival because we're just happy with the status quo. We're just happy with a denominational life in a message church and we got the truth and we go to church and we do our little thing and we're, we're saved and we're predestinated and bless God, our, my name was on the book of life before the foundation of the world and, and we get to the point we don't want a revival because we're so secure. We're so sure we're going to make the rapture that there is no call of God for more of God. There's no more hunger to know his word. There's no more passion for truth. There, they, you know, again, our study comes around to prove a point. Rather than the zeal of the hour to repent. That's the whole thing that we ought to do is we ought to look at the message and say, Lord, oh God, let me find where I need to straighten up a little bit. I need to come a little closer to you. Amen. Change me. Forget about changing everybody else. I need to be changed, God. I need a revival in myself. I need the Holy Spirit to live in my life. Amen. To manifest itself through me. Well, that old man dream dreams and young men see visions. And God, you poured out your spirit upon men and women and in the church. Here's another revival killer. In every age, we've had the same pattern, Brother Branham said. This is why the light comes to a God-given messenger in a certain area. And then from that messenger, there spreads a light through the ministry of others who have been faithfully taught. But of course, all those who, don't go, who go out don't always learn how necessary it is to speak only what the messenger has spoken. Remember, Paul warned the people to say only what he said. 1 Corinthians 14, 37, if any man thinks himself a, be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. What came the word of God out from you or came it unto you only? They add here and they take away there and soon the message is no longer pure and the revival dies down. How careful we must be to hear one voice for the spirit has but one voice which is the voice of God. And Paul warned him to say what he said. Peter did likewise. He warned him that even he, Paul, could not change one word of what he had been given by revelation. How important it is to hear the voice of God by the way of his messenger and then say what has been given them to say to the churches. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit said to the church. In every age, it was the same cry. Hear what the Spirit says. If you're a Christian, you will get back to what the Spirit is teaching. That is the word of this age. Every messenger to, the, to every age will preach that word. Every fresh and true revival will be because men has gotten back to the word for their age. The cry of every age is a rebuke. You've left the word of God. Repent. 
come back to the Word. From the first book of the Bible, Genesis, the last book of Revelation, there's only one reason for God's displeasure, leaving the Word. And there's only one remedy to regain His favor, back to the Word. In the Ephesian age, this age, and every age we contemplate, we will see that it's true. And, and the last age is our age. We'll find a back out of the word, the complete apostasy ending in the great tribulation. If you're truly seed, if you're baptized with the Holy Ghost, you will esteem his word above your necessary meat and yearn to live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. But what have we done in the last 50 years? We've had a time of great training, great teachings, you know, and, and great training of ministers and things. That, and I'm quoting Brother Branham that's taken the place of all night prayer meetings. The only time way that we used to get to God, instead of having preachers, we got lecturers. Men who knows the word just as well, they can sit there and put it together in such a way it's astounding how they can do it. They know the mechanics, but that ain't the dynamics. We don't, we want the dynamics. He said, I don't care about the mechanics. I want to know the dynamics. What does it do? Amen. I don't know how that car runs out there. It's got piston cylinders. I don't know how much pressure is used. The only thing I know is the dynamics. Put her out there and drive it. And that's what we know. God made the promise. I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. How's he going to do it? I can't tell you. I just know the dynamics of God's system. I tell you what, when Brother Bradham left us, he left us a car that ran. Are you with me? It would drive down the road to divine healing. Oh, yeah, it would drive down to the real power of God. It would drive down to godly men and godly women and prayer lines. Come on, church. It was a car that would go somewhere. I mean, it just didn't sit as a model sitting in a garage somewhere that we polish the hubs and we talk about this fine, it's fine paint job and, and it's fine uh, arts and it's fine steering wheel and, and the doe skin seats and oh, it's fine, it's fine. And you know, we, we got the, the right kind of hubcaps and oh, it's a beautiful car. Oh, it's a lovely message. No, the message worked. It would heal the sick. It would cast out devils. It would give overcoming lives. It would give the power of God. But you know the problem is we've had too many quack mechanics that's wanted to try to tinker with the car. Until in too many churches the motor won't even turn over anymore. And it ain't drove out of the garage in years. It won't take young people down to a real Christ-like experience of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And it don't produce divine healing and deliverance. That's a sad state to take the message that God sent us until it gets just something that is a well-oiled machine, you know, shined up. But it won't go nowhere. 
Brother Branham said, I was at a, in a railroad yard and there was one of these new engines that was on display and it just had everything, just so beautiful and shined and everything else. And it was the prettiest thing. And he said it was about like these churches, you know, that everything's in place. And, you know, we got all the order and everything. And ever, our man was the prettiest and Hollywood evangelism and all, all of this kind of stuff. And, and he says... I looked at it and he said, walked through it and he said, when's this thing going to move? I'd like to take a little ride. Can it move? He said, no. So why can't it move? He said, there's no fire in the engine. And he said, that's what's the matter with the church today. It's plushed up, it's decorated up with no fire in the engine. You can only move by fire. What we need, he said, is some more Holy Ghost and fire. And that's what too, that is what has happened too often. Is we've accepted the tradition of easy believism. The message of Billy Graham instead of the message of Abraham. That a, and that will send you right down into the tribulation period. And let me tell you something, friends. The Pentecostal blessing ought to flow to the church. But we got a lot of intellectual preachers. And teachers, and where did they take us? Where did they take us? We've had 60 years of kingdom building. Made personality cults. You know, I'm a Paul, and I'm a, of Apollos, and I'm a Christ, and we, you know, all, all of these different things. We build our little personality cults. And Paul said, aren't you carnal and walk as men? Sure, it's natural to like this preacher or that preacher or what, but that ain't spiritual. Amen. And when we turn around and, and they make kingdom building and personality cults, I tell you, it's time we smash those idols. Amen. Look at the folly of powerless group of people whose only weapon is argument. You see, there's no revival possible until Jesus is welcomed back into the midst and the ministry and the people quit putting him out of their churches like a bunch of Laodiceans. Then you have the other side, you know, all screaming, hollering, calling that the bride's revival when it's nothing but a bunch of man-made emotional workup. You see, that's where Satan gets in, to make it all mechanics or no dynamics, or put, uh, put it all dynamics and no mechanics. Is that right? We got to bring it together. One of it won't work. Amen. It's like, you know, I'm a farm boy, so, you know, if I, we had a bunch of chickens and some began to escape the, the chicken pen to, that we had, well, what we did is we just clipped one wing. That's all you had to do. If you clipped them both, they could still fly over the fence. But if you clipped just one wing, he'd just flop around in a circle. He couldn't get off the ground. Amen. God gives us two wings, spirit and truth. Mechanics, dynamics. Are you with me? Amen. If you don't have any mechanics, if the word ain't right, you ain't going to get off the ground. Amen. If the spirit ain't right, you're not getting off the ground. You just flop around and around and around and stay in your pen. But if, if you can have both wings, spirit and truth, hallelujah, dynamics and mechanics, 
that's what it's going to be. Then you can mount up with wings as an eagle and you can fly into the realms where all things are possible to them that believe. You see, it's the word. It's the word, not creeds of two lords or some personality cult or not, uh, not a thunder of a bunch of noise with no lightning, but the power of God on display. We've had years of teachers now that claim to be the Aaron to the Moses who needed to help Brother Branham say what he could not. Well, they did. They helped him say what he didn't. Amen. They even helped him today say what he didn't and say, well, there's no preachers no more. God didn't call them to preach. You see, they got to help him to say what he didn't say, what he couldn't say. You see, again, we've had the self-proclaimed apostles who thought, it was need, thought they were needed to bring clarity to the message. Again, that this thought was needed to help Brother Branham say what he couldn't say. So we need this personality cult leader to say what he couldn't say, to do what he couldn't do. And so, again, it's a revival killer. Then we have, then we have wannabe prophets that risen and they've invaded the pulpit without a true call from God, style themselves as the fishers of men and say the gifted ministry of, of Ephesians 4 is that God gave the church has failed. So they're taking over. Men in the pulpit have never been called of God, never been anointed to preach. Amen, intellectual men that just get up, you know, and they got their speech to give and, oh, they can lay it out so beautiful and whatever. It takes the anointing to break the yoke. That's what we need in the pulpit is anointed preachers. Men on fire, lit by the fire of God. Men who know their God, who know their ministry is called to cast out devils. That ought to be one of the number one thing in the church. We are called to cast Satan out. Cast him out of our young people. Cast him out of our marriages. Cast him out of our homes. Cast him out of our churches. They add here, they take away there. Soon the message is no longer pure. Revival dies down. Oh, we got to hear that voice of the Spirit. One voice. Amen. He warned even Paul, don't you, you can't change one word. Amen. No, you can't. He said, if I or an angel from heaven preach you any other gospel, let him be accursed. There's no hope for revival. You see, because you, you see, because, uh, because of men, they're adding to, taking away from the Word of God. I'm not through with this yet, but I just want to say, I want to say through this, there is hope for revival. Because God is hearing the cries, the sign, because of the bondage. Some of you that have been bound by pornography, by demons of oppression, with young people with suicide. Amen. We would, come on, church. Amen. With spirits of insanity that are coming in. Amen. With the, with the spirits of adultery and fornication and every kind of evil spirit that wants to come and take a place in the church. Are you with me? God is hearing the cry. 
of what the devil is trying to do in message churches because there are men and women saying, oh God, we need a move of God. We need the Holy Ghost. We need a revival in our mess. We need something real for our young people that they whip their way to Calvary and our old people get a renewing of the Holy Ghost again. Amen. That it causes their feet to dance and their voice to be lifted up to shout. Amen. And the Holy Spirit moving in the church one more time. God hears the sign and the crying, but he's only waiting for people to call him into action. Amen. Waiting, waiting for people to call on him. When we hear a God that is still God, like we heard last night, a God that still heals, a God that forgives, a God that saves, a God that delivers. Amen. Oh, that ought to know in our faith. It ought to cause revival to rise on the inside and expectancy. I'm expecting then God to move. If he can do it for them, he can do it for me. If he healed cancer then, he can heal it. He can heal it now. Hallelujah, are you with me? Amen. If he can reach out and bring a prodigal back home, then he can bring it back now. Wasn't too long ago we had a young girl come up in the prayer line and she was crying out to God for her brother. Said, I want my brother who is lost. He's living with a worldly girl, living away from God, and, and he just broke up our family. And, and we're just, you know, it's, they're just tension in the home and all kinds of things. Because, boy, my brother, I want him saved. So we prayed with her, and there as we were praying with others in the prayer line, before the prayer line was over, that boy was laying in bed at home in his pajamas, jumped out of his bed, got in his car, drove all the way to the church, came into the house of God. Before that service was over, God answered the prayer of a 16-year-old girl who called on God for her brother. That same God will answer your prayer. You've been calling out for your children, your brother, your mother, your sister. That God will answer your prayer today. He'll reach out. He can reach down to the gutter most and bring them out of sin and world and ungodliness. He's a God. He's a God that delivers. A God that saves. I'll tell you what we ought to do in meetings like this is get ready for a party. Hallelujah. Get ready for a party. That's what we ought to do. We ought to get ready for a celebration. Men, women, boys and girls that have been lost and out in sin, they're coming back home. We ought to get our dancing shoes on. We got to have a shout that our God is in our midst and he's doing something. Should anoint our faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, Brother Tim, we're in revival, but our revival is the opening of the word, Brother Tim. Well, in Wyleth, a little Bethlehem, Brother Branham said, we bypassed on creeds and drinking stagnated water from cisterns. What we need today 
is an opening of the word that lives. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. I, I tell you, I'm all for the opening of the word. But we need one that lives. That brings back Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. That gives our people hope. Brother Branham said, life must not come out of just an intellectual revival. It's got to come out of the Bible, a word revival. And the word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when it falls today and quickens, you get the same results you did in Acts 2. That's an opening of the word that lives. You get the same results as Acts 2. I'll tell you what, we need to get our focus back. Amen. We need to get our focus back on a living God. Amen. Amen. Bring it down to a place there where we can see the same things the apostles saw. The same gospel they preached produced the same results that it produced for them that will strike the target every time. Hallelujah, a word that lives, a word that is in focus. And that word, when it's in focus, it'll do the same job for you it did for them. It'll heal the sick. It'll raise the dead. It'll cast out devils. It'll bring forth the glorious church. Hallelujah. God hiding himself in simplicity. He got to find something that will take his word, will take the divine revelation and won't move with it. Will stay right there on the word. That's the way he does it. He's always done it that way. So when men get so educated and so smart that he tries to put his own interpretation, say, well, like they say, baptism of the Holy Ghost, they say, oh, that was for another day. But if they don't, well, it wasn't for another day. But I tell you, it just don't come like it did on the day of Pentecost. We receive the Holy Ghost when we believe and all kinds of stuff like that. You see, and then, uh, then others will go to seed on other quotes. Like, you know, this is not the day of Pentecost or the repeat or return. And I want to say that's true. I don't deny that one bit. This is not the day of Pentecost. Instead, it's the last age. This is not the repeat of Pentecost. Pentecost was the seed that was planted and went down into the ground. Come on, church. This is the seed of the harvest, and it's going to be taken into the garner. Hallelujah. So no, it's not a repeat of Pentecost. We're not just starting all over again and starting seven ages. Amen. This is rapture age. This is rapture day. Amen. This is not, not just a return to Pentecost. Amen. It's more than that. Amen. Oh, it's time to get out of the glares that have been and in the, and in the midst of the darkness, this dark time. They're not the real light. They're not the message. They're glares. They're mirages. But oh, I tell you, friends, you see, that's where they live today, in mirages of the times past. The Catholic Church is living on its past reputation. We were the first church. Look how far they moved from it. Look what their apology today of the sodomy in their, in their pulpits, in their priesthood. 
look at their apologies of how we treated, what we did, how we enslaved, what we did. You see, and, and Brother Branham said to priests, if you're all the, like the original church, and you went after the doctrine of these men set up at Nicaea, why is it you haven't got the power they had back there at the beginning? Why don't you do the things that they did which Jesus said? Oh, we've got more people now. We live in a different age. He said, but the word doesn't change. These signs shall follow them that believe. Heavens and earth will pass away, but my word will never. He said, if the church, when they obeyed what God said originally, and the word of God, look at the miracles and signs and so forth they had, and you don't have them at all today. It's the evidence God is not with you. If he said that to the Roman church, he says that same thing to those today. Amen. Oh, you know, well, but, you know, Brother Tim, we, we've seen our last sign, and, 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 and so, you know, there's just nothing more. Let me tell you, you are God's last sign. His last sign is a bride who is manifesting the Son of Man, the Word in this age. You are God's last sign. You're his last message to the last age. You are the embodiment of the truth. Amen. Amen. Now, so as we just look at it, we, we know where we're at in time. I want to just hurry, hurry down for, for just a moment. There's so many things that we can speak about. But Brother Branham said in the message investments, the last thing, that the church is going to see is Christ manifested in his power and fullness in his church just before the fire falls. Amen. Oh, he says, the world falling apart. The hour we're living, oh God, the world is falling apart. And there hangs in the hangers bombs, there hangs things, the things to do exactly. The church is ready. She's sealed in, ready to come. There will be a big outpouring of the Spirit. Yes, sir, to grab that church and take her into the skies exactly because, you see, the church, the Word, the bride, is ministry, Christ is ministry, is in the bride, which is body, the supernatural spiritual body of His on the earth uh, and His Spirit in them living His life right out until Him and the church becomes one for the wedding. Yeah. Hallelujah. So what do you say? There will be a big outpouring of the Spirit. Is there hope for revival? The prophet said so. There will be a big outpouring of the Spirit. We got bombs hanging in the hangars. We got them with their name, our names on it. We are in Sodom just before the fire falls. America has turned from lamb to dragon. Are you with me? Amen. We're right here in the fulfillment of prophecy. Amen. Then what about the rest of it? There will be a big outpouring of the Spirit. Yes, sir, to grab that church. Take her into the skies. Hallelujah. Again in 1964, he says this. Satan's big machine is up there is ready to move. Have you ever seen it ready, brother? The dynamics is coming into that movement. You're seeing things turn out that you never dreamed. It's in our media. It's in the false narratives they tell. They're lying to us everywhere we look. 
immorality on the increase, Sodom on the rise. You know where we're at. Amen. There's no more hope. Who are you going to vote in? Who are you going to get that would turn things around? Bring it back to God. You're not. Amen. But he said, Satan's big machine up there ready to move to crest down. But remember, God's little flock that believes the word, its mechanics is ready too. It's ready for the dynamics to set it afire with the Holy Ghost. Fear not, little flock. It's your Father's goodwill to give you the kingdom. The Holy Ghost will strike a little church that has come out from the world, women that wears long hair, Nazarite, to prove they're separated themselves from the world. Hallelujah. Amen. The Holy Ghost will strike a church that's come out of the world. Little women that wears long hair, Nazarite. Amen. As I quoted earlier, you know, he said there's still room at the table. Amen. There's still, there's still got to be one more somewhere. We ain't went home yet. Somebody help me preach. God's going to send another shaking across the country for there's somebody still out there somewhere for that predestinated seed that the lights to fall on somewhere in the world. Amen. Now, is there hope for revival? In the message of token, I'm looking for a time of break forth of the Spirit of God in the last days where we're living for another surge of the Holy Spirit into the church for a rapture and faith just before it comes and everything is setting right straight in order for that. And I believe we're now at the time that the word have should have preeminence. What did he say here? Another surge of the Holy Spirit. Amen. He preaches perfect faith and he said, I, I'm trying to get the church into a place where we can really see apostolic times moving among us. That's what we all hunger and it's laying right at the door. We see it, but we want more of it. We want it such a flow that it'll help to us and flow out to others. Hallelujah. Amen. He tells us in three kinds of believer, that's the reason I do believe when that bride is called out and elected and set in the book of life, there will come a sound from heaven that it takes such a baptism of the Holy Spirit in that bride that it take her from the earth in a rapture and grace. Hallelujah. Amen. A sound from heaven that takes such a baptism of the Holy Ghost into that bride. Take her from the earth in the glory. Amen. What do you say the dynamics of this church will be? A refilling of the Holy Ghost that we worked in a small measure, but the full power of the Holy Ghost would raise her up and bring all the dead in Christ from thousands of years. Hallelujah. Amen. He was standing in visible union of the bride and he would prophesy and he said, it's on. The move is on for the bride. That's thus saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Revival's over for the church. Revival's over for America. Come on, somebody. The divine healing movement is over. Azusa Street healing is over. But the move is on for the bride. That's thus saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Thus saith the Lord never fails. 
One of the things that Brother Branham, in the end of his ministry, labored on, he actually would do this, starting with his own church. He had, he had a thought that he waved back and forth. In fact, there were several of them. Maybe Sunday morning I'll get into some of the others. But there's two thoughts Brother Branham interwove back and forth. One, was, was, one thought was contained in be not afraid, testimony on the sea, go awake Jesus, and others that dealt with where the disciples were between revivals and the testifying of the past, and yet had gone without Jesus. And the other thought, of course, was the one of Samson crying, once more, Lord. And Brother Branham preached the sermon on Samson as the present state of the church, as a deceived church by the world, and warned his own church of being blinded and defeated and scared of the new birth. The thought of Samson was not just something he preached to the Pentecostals. He knew he could not revive Azusa Street. But he preached it first at Branham Tabernacle. And he took Samson and showed him as a deceived church by the world. And there as he explained it, and he said, you know, the, the people, the reason they go and join organizations and substitute a handshake instead of new birth, they're trying to bypass the new birth. They don't want the new birth. We know it's taught in the Bible, so we want to substitute something. And the Pentecostal people are just so bad trying to substitute something. They want it in class. It's got so classy. We'll just shake hands and join the church and be sprinkled and baptized. And they're afraid of the new birth. And he says, I sometimes believe the Branham Tabernacle is getting afraid of it. So this wasn't something he was just concerned about them out there. He was concerned about his own church. Getting afraid of the new birth. And he talked about a birth and he said a birth is a mess no matter where it's at. If it's in a pink decorated hospital room or, or whether it's there in a shut pile, it's a mess. Amen. He said a new birth is nothing more than a mess. But people get so starchy. We'll go over where they just shake hands. I mean, you believe God sent a prophet, God bless you, then you got the Holy Ghost. You believe uh, in serpent seed and predestination and Malachi 4, and you got the Holy Ghost. You see, they don't want a mess. We want it so classy. You know, just believe this doctrine. We have the truth. Not just, uh, you know, do you believe that? Yes. Well, then you got it. And can't live overcoming lives. Still in every kind of sin and ungodliness. Listen, let me, let me tell you something. You, I, I'm, I'm, I, I meet with, especially in the youth camps, I meet with devils, demons that have actually taken on young people. I had a girl come into, a, into the prayer line here some years ago now, and then, and as the moment I anointed with her, all oh, she changed, crouched down, began to growl and, and there, and she, her face become grotesque, and she began to swat at me, like, hitting at me like this, and like an animal, and growling, I won't come out, I won't come out, I won't come out. 
It did. It did. It had to. It had to bow to the name of Jesus Christ. These signs that followed them that believe in my name, they will cast out devils. I asked a girl later, I said, where did that devil come into you at? She said, it wasn't things I actually did. It was things that I looked at and it was my imagination. You see, it was pornography. And it come in through the eye gate and entered right down into her until she was so demon-possessed when she was anointed with oil. It come out. And it used her voice because it was using her mind. And spirits are entering into people. Demon-possessed. I have to say, she would hit at me right there. It would just, it could, I'd feel like wind blood and blow my clothes, but she could never make a connection. A full wall of fire about me. I have nothing now to fear. Hallelujah. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Even demons and the angels had to prostrate fall. Amen. He's Lord of lords and King of kings. Amen. And I've seen it happen time and time and time again. In one of our youth camps, we had over, over what was it, 10 or a dozen, and about 10 demonic manifestations that manifest itself just that way. Writhing on the floor, speaking out, and calling out, I won't come out, and all kinds of things that was happening. What is happening? Demons are taking over people. Evil spirits getting a hold of them. But I'll tell you what, the doctors don't have a cure for it. They can just dope you down. But I'll tell you something, we got something better than dope. It'll give you a new mind. It'll give you a new heart. It'll give you a new spirit. It'll put God's Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Hallelujah. But we don't want a birth. That's a mess. But he said the new birth is nothing less than a mess. And people get so starchy. We'll go to a place where they shake hands. We'll go over where they don't bawl and cry and beat on an altar and cry out. He said, you, you want to be too human. What we need is a birth, a dying out. Amen. That's exactly what you need. If you want to be born again, you got to die first. Amen. The Holy Spirit is not going to live in there with that demon. That you cannot serve two masters. There has to be a dying out and rejecting of that king that was upon the throne of your heart that you were born with because of your natural birth. But when you get born again, that king is dethroned and cast out and you get a new king on the inside of you. And then those members that used to serve the former king that smoked and drank and committed adultery and looked at the wrong thing, now those members are yielded to the Holy Ghost and you raise up holy hands unto God and you shout and you rejoice and you declare the name of the Lord and you live right and talk right and act right. Come on, church. 
Brother Branham told us that an old seed potato, it has to rot in order for a new life to come. He said the corn can't produce until the seed is rotten and that life comes up out of it. And he says, he said a man or woman can never have a new birth until their intellectuals and their own self is dead and rotten and die out at the altar and scream and get all messed up to a place the starch gets out of your collar and you're born again by the Spirit of God. And he said, I don't care if you squall, speak in tongues, jump up and down, flop like a chicken with his head off, you're bringing forth new life. Amen. Oh, my. Notice altar. He mentions altar here twice. There hasn't been an altar call in many places for years. Oh, we don't do that. Oh, you know, no, 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 Brother Tim, we, we don't do that no more. Oh, Brother Branham didn't even do it. That's a lie. It was one of his last sermons. He said, I, I want an old-fashioned altar call. God still moves in them. In Jehovah Jireh 64, I believe God's going to do some great things tomorrow. I know, I'm hoping he is. That's the reason I can make altar calls, do everything I can to find favor with him. Oh, he says in testimony on the sea, we've gone off without old-time prayer meetings and baptism of the Holy Ghost coming down until the fire's burnt low. You can cry out and try to get people to the altar and they just walk up like they're almost dead, a dread to come. Then ask ministers to come pray with them and they say, oh, what did you ask me for? And they get down, you can't hardly get them and, then, and, uh, and, and stand there just for a few minutes and look at you and go back and sit in their seats. To me, the fire has gone out. Something has happened. Look, what we need is revival. That sinners looking up on Christ repent, run to the altar with their hands up screaming for mercy, and the whole church is a flame of fire with the glory of God. Amen. I mean, listen, I, I said I'm a farm boy. I, I learned early years, you know, when a chicken was pepping out of the shell, you didn't have that old boy out. You, you let him peck his way out. Amen. We want to make it easy for them. Just come and shake a hand. Say, God sent a prophet. Say, well, I believe the message. You know, you, you've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You're ruining them. You pull, you pull that shell over that chicken, he'll die. Amen. He's got to peck his way out. Amen. There's some people need to beat on the altar and peck their way out and say, God, I need a real infilling of the Holy Ghost. God, I need to die out to sin and unbelief and this darkness that holds my life. Let them peck their way out until they break forth with new life. Hallelujah. It don't take long, friends. When you start pecking there, you get a little breath of fresh air. Amen. There's the atmosphere of another world. Amen. The more you feel it, amen, you pick and make it a little bigger and a little more breeze comes in. You make it a little bigger until all the shell is broke away from you and you come out into new life. Yeah. Hallelujah. That's what we need. We don't need to help them out. We need a dying out to sin, a dying out to unbelief. You pull him out of the shell, he won't live. He's got to come God's way. Amen. The eagle's got to pip his way out of the shell. Amen. You got to peck and you got to knock on it. And you got to say, God made me a promise. He said he'd give me the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to get it. The promise is unto me. 
to my children, to them that are far off. No matter how far you stray, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Amen. We're going to peck at it until it opens up till the windows of heaven and the atmosphere of the Holy Ghost comes down and we come out of our shell. First thing you know, you'll be able to flop your wings a little bit. Hallelujah. Peck your eye way out. Blast new. Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. They say I can't have a revival. I can have one in myself. The church is dying, but I don't have to die with it. Amen. Amen. I can be born again by the Holy Ghost. Amen. There's so many that don't want a mess. You know, they, they just want it an easy way. You know, Brother Bradham told us there's no way for a baby to get it unless he cries for it. He said that's God's provided way. People are afraid of the new birth. He said they're, they're afraid. He said you take it out yonder in a pig pen, a burst makes a mess. If it's a cow stable, if it's a pink decorated hospital, it's a mess. You might cry, boo-hoo, rub around the altar. No matter what you do, I never ask God. It won't do no good to try to bring the new birth to my level. I want to meet God on God's level of the new birth and receive it. I don't care what I have to do. Someone said not long ago, I'm afraid to receive the Holy Ghost. I'm afraid it might make me speak in tongues like them others. I don't care if I spoke in tongues, talked in tongues, crowed in tongues, or anything else. I want the Holy Ghost. I don't care what level it is. I want God on his level. Amen. Something that changes your desires and your attitudes. Not intellectual speakers, not great theology, but the power of God. How long does a baby cry till he's satisfied? Amen. Come on, you cry until you're satisfied. You knock until it opens. You seek until you find it. You ask until you receive it. You don't give up on it. I must have it. I got to get to Jesus. Amen. I come to this meeting and I got to get to him. I can't go back with the same old burdens I've had. Hallelujah. You fight for every inch of it, but peck your way through until the life comes. Amen. Amen. And what should it be? Brother Branham taught us there ought to be personal workers. Spirit-filled people. And he says, I went to places and people are supposed to be spirit-filled people and see altar calls me. You couldn't even get people to go in with anybody to pray with them. It shows that Ichabod, the Spirit of God, has departed. But when you see that zeal and fire and longing and long for human souls. Now you remember, Samson, he was raised up to destroy the enemy. Is that right? We have been raised up to destroy the enemy. We have been raised up to destroy the Laodicean evil spirit in this last day and be an overcomer. Hallelujah. We have been given a covenant with God. You know, he had those seven locks back there. It was the secret of his hidden power. Is that right? Amen. And seven locks there that he had, Nazarite vow that he had unto the Lord. And there when trouble came, he could just reach back and feel those seven locks. 
God, you've moved through seven spirits, through seven ages, through seven messengers, through seven churches, and I know you're right here in this last age. Hallelujah. So when I feel that confidence there, I know, Lord, you're fixing to do something. I'm surrounded. It looks like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. There may be a thousand fall on this side or ten thousand on this, but it'll not come nigh me. I was born to defeat the enemy. That's what the church was. They were born to be serpent bruisers and devil defeaters and overcomers. God raised you up for that purpose. He ordained you for that reason. Amen. He empowered you with a hidden power on the inside of you. Amen. Amen. Oh, my. You know, if he'd have took that jawbone of an ass there and struck those helmets, that would have shattered into a thousand pieces. But God got in that jawbone. Amen. He stood there, there, as long as he could reach back and feel those seven locks. God's covenant. Amen. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. You lit the fire in that first stage, it lit the next and lit the next and lit the ninth. And we got the same fire that was on the day of Pentecost. Hallelujah. Amen. Nothing should bother the church as long as we can feel the Holy Ghost. The covenant of God's word. The works that I do shall you do also. Greater than these shall you do. Amen. For I go unto the Father, and as the Father sent me, so send I you. How did that happen? The Father that sent him went in him. And when he sends you, he comes in you. So greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Are you with me, church? Amen. But oh, what happened? Let a Delilah shave his power. And I wonder today if that is a repeater. Remember, he was preaching this to his own church. If we're not seeing it very, that very thing happen, the power has been shaved off by personality cults, by hybriding the message, by forgetting its power, by taking an easy believism rather than a new, true new birth experience. Is somebody with me? Until it shaves the glory off the church. Amen. I, 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 remember, I remember in one of our meetings there, we had a, a young girl. Her name is Mariah Pruitt. She's my great niece. And she was there. She went to the doctor because she started losing her hair. They pronounced her with alopecia. It was a, an, a, an autoimmune disease that attacked every hair follicle on her body. They told her she will lose all her hair. It will never come back. It is incurable. We have nothing to treat it with. Get, re, re, get used to living with it. You will lose every bit of hair on your body, your eyelashes, your, your eyebrows, your hair, everything, and all of us went. And she was in that condition. One service I was preaching, and I looked out there, and I said, you know I, I, I was preaching, I, I was preaching about the glory of God and it being in the church and how the hair is a woman's glory and all that. And, and I looked out there and I said, and there's a young girl right there, 11 years old. The devil has robbed her glory. Amen. And I said, I, I'll tell you what, we're not going to allow that to happen. Amen. 
God gave that glory, and we're not going to allow that to happen. Bring that girl up here. We brought and prayed with her. Faith began to come in her heart right there. Then a, then a little bit later at youth camp, here she comes at the prayer line. And here she comes with three little bobby pins in her hands. She comes up to the front. She said, I want to be able to wear these in my hair. Amen. We laid hands upon her and prayed for her through that prayer line and her hair began to grow through her body. It wasn't about family camp there. It was, it was about that long and then it just began to grow until it's way down. And, we, and when I'm going home, I'm going to marry her to a young man. She's a beautiful girl there with beautiful hair. God restored her glory. Hallelujah. But if God will do that for a little girl, what will God do for his church? He will restore the glory of this church. I don't care what has been. Brother Brennan said, is there any hope for revival left? He said, oh, yes. There is hope for revival. He said, there while Samson was in prison, there was a new crop that was growing out. And he said, I believe there's a new crop today. Hallelujah. That will have the glory of God that can reach back there and say he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still heals. He still delivers. He still saves. But he said, there's going to have to be a people that's willing to die out to the world. They're going to have to say, let me die. Amen. Let me die out to sin. Let me die out to unbelief. Let me die. Just once more, Lord. And Brother Branham went through preaching all around and it began something that he preached all over the place. Just once more, Lord. And I'm telling you tonight, that's still his message. Amen. Just once more, Lord. Amen. Somebody can reach out and say, Lord, I, I can feel your power. I can be feel it begin to move from every fiber of my being. There is hope for revival. Just once more, Lord. But let me die out to unbelief. Let me die out to sin. Let me die out to ungodliness. Until I'm born anew and defeat every enemy. How many would be here tonight like that? Raise your hand to God. Stand to your feet right now. Let the musicians come. Let that be the prayer in your heart. Brother Branham saw a new crop coming. Oh, maybe there's a bunch of burnovers. Maybe there's a bunch that looks like tombstones and moan and groan and everything else. But down beneath, there's a new crop. There's a new crop that can frolic in the moving of the Holy Ghost. That says, flow through me, Holy Spirit, flow through me. Create in me a revival, Lord. Let there be a renewing of the Holy Ghost in my life. Is there hope for revival? Yes, there's hope. If you're willing to die out. If you're willing to leave your personality cults behind. I'm a Paul and I'm of Apollos and I'm a this, I'm that. And come back to Christ and be, be, and be baptized with his spirit all over again. Say it, Lord, once more. 
Once more fill me, oh God. Once more renew me in the Holy Ghost. Lord, restore the power. Restore it, Lord, to my heart. Restore it to my life. Change me in your presence, Lord. Oh God, there's no hope for the divine healing revival. It's gone. There's no hope for Azusa. It's gone. There's no hope for the America. It's gone. But there is hope for me. There is hope for this bride. You're going to have a church without spot or wrinkle. It might as well be me. Here I am, Lord. I yield myself. I say, oh God, bring a change in me. From glory to glory as we view your, your precious word. Change me, Lord. Change me. Let there come an atmosphere again in the church where the sick don't lie sick and go back home sick, but an atmosphere of faith. When the sick comes here, they're healed. An atmosphere of faith when the lost comes, they can find salvation. An atmosphere of welcoming in the church that's willing to have a celebration and a party that's willing to welcome home the prodigal to come out back. I was talking to a man this week. He said, Brother Tim, I've wasted 20 years of my life. 20 years! Just went down the drain. So when you was in Israel, you took a picture of there, the Sea of Galilee and some of the places, and you sent it to me. I got those pictures and I looked at it. And I wrote you back, Brother Jim. I'd sure like to see that place. I said, you can. Come on back home. He said, those words saying, come on back home, struck me down in my heart. And I began to move back toward home. Amen. There's a new Jerusalem for us. There's a city whose builder and maker is God. Amen. You don't have to stay out there wandering. Come on back home. He'll take you to that city. He'll take you there, that city where there's theophanies. Where we never grow old. There's no sickness, no pain, no sorrow, death. And those in theophany come here. And we in flesh meet our theophany and we're changed from mortal to immortality but that change starts right here at the altar at the altar of your heart it's not so important this altar but for you to find a real place of repentance in your heart while your heads are bowed just for a moment, your thoughts on him. You just be in prayer just for a moment. But as there could be maybe a prodigal here, maybe someone been straying. You got that old cold virus of that Laodicean spirit. 
something that's taken you out of the company of saints, took you away from Christ. We just just raise our hand real high so I can see it and say, Jesus, Jesus, I need you. I need you. I need you. Pass by my way. I got to have you. Maybe there's some of you would say, I, I, Brother Tim, I've got a prodigal in mind. It's my son. It's my daughter. It's my, it's my child. It's my husband. It's my wife. It's this one or that one, Lord. I want to reach out to you, Lord, right now. I want to reach out right now for that one. Maybe you can be like that girl that could say, I want my brother saved. I want him to come back home. That same God that did it for Justin Ware, and he's still serving God today. That was eight years ago. He's still God. He can go right out to yours. Find him. may not come in his pajamas to church like that boy did that night, but he'll come. He'll come. God's got his own way of getting them. They'll come. All that the Father has given me will come. Hallelujah. Look to him right now and say, Lord, we need salvation in the house of God. We need deliverance, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, every hand was raised to you, every backslidden, slidden soul, every person, Lord, away from you, every one, Lord sincerely reached out towards you they was not reaching to me I'm just a mere mortal what could I do but you one moment in your presence you can change their life Amen. Lord you know where that struggling boy that struggling girl that, that husband that wife that whatever sister that brother whatever it is that grandfather grandmother that mother dad God you see them you know where they are. Tender their hearts, Lord. Amen. Let there be such a revival of the Holy Spirit in us. That when we get around them, it's such an atmosphere of God. They long to be like us. Move, Lord. Move for your people. And I pray, oh God, that once more, Lord, let us feel your power. Once more, move to this church. Once more, let the Holy Spirit move, oh God, and the hallelujahs roll, and the thank you, Jesus, and healings come, and deliverance come, salvation come, all in the name of Jesus. Satan, you've bound God's people long enough. And as a servant of the living God, I call for you to leave them now in the name of Jesus Christ. Those that have been bound. May they be liberated by the Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just begin to thank him right now. Just begin to thank him. He dwells in the praises of his people. Just begin to worship him this moment. Amen. In his presence of fullness of joy. Is there hope of revival? Yes. You can have revival. You can have a fresh anointing. You can go out with a new power. Amen. A new assurance.
and overcoming power to live above the world in sin and unbelief. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Brother Bradham would encourage us to cry out just once more, Lord. Why don't you do it tonight from the depths of your heart, Lord, just once more. Once more. Azusa had the revival, the divine healing move had the revival. We've had a word revival, but Lord, I need a revival. Let the revival start in me, Lord. Let there be a renewing of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let there be a Pentecostal fire built up on the inside of me. Till I see you the same yesterday, today, and forever. I repent of my bitterness, my unforgiveness. I, for, I repent of my lethargy, my, my lukewarmness. I repent of it all. And I give you preeminence tonight. I must have that revival. I must have it in my heart. I must have it in my life. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise the name of the Lord.
crown for my reward is giving glory to you. Oh Lord, your beautiful, your face is all I see. in me. 